Hello, this is Mike Solosi with a quick message before today's Retro Encounter podcast. This episode contains a few mistakes. First, I say at the very beginning that it's episode 81. Second, I say near the end of the episode that the next Retro Encounter will be a Darksiders podcast. Both of those statements are incorrect. We originally planned for the second Tales of the Abyss episode to be episode 80, but recording was delayed due to illness and travel, so that recording wasn't ready in time. Thus, next week's episode, 81, will be our second Tales of the Abyss podcast, and the Darksiders episodes will begin the following week. I'm very sorry about this. So now, without further ado, here's a very special Mario RPGs episode of Retro Encounter. Very special episode 81 of Retro Encounter, the RPG fan off topic podcast. I'm your host, Mike Solosi, Monsoon on the Boards, and today I have me a very special tag team of RPG fan staff. You have Peter the Animal Treasenberg. Hi, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, Peter Treasenberg. I have here on the board. I don't have anything witty for the animal right now. <laughs> and John the Undertooker Tucker. Hey, everybody. I'm John Tucker, Tucker on the Boards. Yep. All right, all right, yeah, and we can say <laughs> your your icon and name on the boards are pretty fitting for this podcast, Mike or Peter. Yeah, it's true. Uh, we're we're here to talk about talk about a subject that um that has fills me with much fury. Mm, indeed, indeed, we are. Indeed, we are. And I, I and that character is so near and dear to me and and to what we're about to talk to that I it elicits chuckles from me quite often when I see your avatar. Shortles. You mean? Indeed. Chortles, <laughs> guffaws, the whole, yeah, the, the whole run of, you know, sub-laughter. We're here to talk about Mario RPGs. The, uh, for some reason, Mario is known primarily as a platforming character. I don't know, some kind of pioneering Nintendo inter- Entertainment System stuff. But, I, I don't know about you guys, I think he's awesome as an RPG hero. Absolutely. Some run the gamut. Yeah, somehow uh, he's had a career of eleven games in twenty-one years of being an RPG main character, starting with Super Mario RPG in nineteen ninety-six and culminating in last year's Paper Mario Color Splash, which John uh, you reviewed for the site when it came out, right? Yeah, yeah, um, I've reviewed. It turns out uh, about half of the uh, Mario RPGs. I did not realize <laughs> that until we were prepping for this show. So, yeah, all three of us have enjoyed Mario in RPG form uh, several times over the years. And I think, Peter, you and I in other episodes were, um, I don't remember exactly how, but I think Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga came up once, and we, even, and we entertained the idea of having it be a, a, a regular two-part episode of Retro. Is that right? I think the, the, the idea has come up a couple times, yeah. Right. That's because that, that game's one of, uh, a personal favorite of mine. Right, and I... I personally have I mean, my two favorite Mario RPGs are the first ones, The Legend of the Seven Stars, and uh, Thousand Year D- Paper Mario Thousand Year Door for GameCube. I love both of those games, but um, and, and so we're not shutting the door on eventually doing a Mario RPG for Retro Encounter. That's definitely a possibility, but I, I have no idea when or which game. But 
slowing it down a little bit, let's talk about the first one. Mar- Super Mario RPG for the Super Nintendo, 1996. The only game with, uh, with Shigeru Miyamoto and Hironobu Sakaguchi as listed as exec producers. Which is a weird factoid. But, um, you, think, you think Chrono Trigger had a dream team. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Man, man you add, if you add Shigeru Miyamoto to that Chrono Trigger dream team, I don't know what would happen. It would, it would make I'm, Chrono Trigger even more held in high esteem. I'm pretty sure the sun would explode. Like, <laughs> and all would, all would left would be the Son of Sun and his five floating fireballs. Indeed. <laughs> so... So yeah, that that first Mario RPG is really at the t- it's uh it came at the tail end of Square's um golden age of making RPGs. It was one of the one of the last games they made for the Super Nintendo before they fu- you know fully started pu- pumping out games for the PlayStation. Um so uh, starting with you John, uh, cuz you haven't been on the podcast in about a year. <laughs> um what are your right. thoughts on the first Mario RPG? Just open-ended question shockingly as like one of the oldest guys on the site i never played it um what i, came, I know right it's insane uh i came to that stuff um a little late that one came out um at a time when i was out of the country and uh didn't have any access to video games and it's right it's okay. one of those things that's that's been a uh uh semi-embarrassing gap in my gaming resume ever since huh well has it been re-released on on like any like we it was you know, like it's, downloadable um it's on the Wii virtual console i know because the last time i played it that's how i did it, it. but I, i'm not sure i'm not they recently they recently put it on the wii u virtual okay. console as well okay so yeah i wasn't right, i wasn't I wasn't aware of it being on the Wii U or 3DS virtual console but um so it has been re-released around there it's there it's not the access issue is not that big of an issue for Super Mario RPG, but I played it um, pretty soon after it came out, uh, if not right when it did, because that that is right around the time I started getting into RPGs, Square RPGs in particular, the mid '90s. And I remember, uh, I remember talking about it with friends at school, playing it for the first time. I never owned it. I I borrowed a friend's copy, and I. This is going to be a very dumb thing to bring up and i may have brought it up on other podcasts but there's a uh, around the midpoint of the game there's a word puzzle that you have to figure out where uh where the answer is something that comes from the sea and then you have to fall fit like uh then you have to solve a word jumble thing and is it uh, blooper no the, uh, well ac- <laughs> actually it's right before you fight a giant blooper boss <laughs> uh, amazingly but any but anyway um that's where mario sunshine got it from uh, right but anyway, the answer is pearls. But if you, uh, but oyster also fits their clues. So I, I spent like forty minutes on that thing when I was ten and came up with oyster oh. and was so proud of myself and was furious when it was the wrong answer. So I ended, I ended up calling one of my friends that I, the, the friend I borrowed it from, to ask for the answer because I, I don't think I had good internet then. Oh no! But ninety six, no one did. Yeah, but uh, it might have been ninety seven. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I played it right when it came out. But Super Mario RPG is excellent. It introduced a lot of the key Mario RPG concepts of um, isometric platforming with timed hits in battle, uh, very colorful, uh, energetic aesthetic. Every Mario RPG sort of introduces a new setting or new world, and uh, and at least a couple new characters and races that aren't that don't fit into any previous Mario R- 
Mario game because I mean like they like the whole Bean Kingdom in Superstar Saga is <laughs> hasn't really been done but hadn't been done before or since in a Mario game. It's <laughs> am I am I right? Have they or have they brought back the Bean Bean Kingdom? I don't I don't think they've ever brought back um any the Bean Bean Kingdom or any of those characters. I've always I've always wished that like. Uh, that they'd put him in like Mario Kart or something. Yeah, the prince but... would be a perfect character in Mario Kart, or or Fawful. Fawful, Cac- even Cacoletta, like right. Like, yeah, just, uh, I-, I remember back when um because uh, uh, Superstar Saga came out. I think the same year that uh, Mario Kart Double Dash did, and um, I just remember when I was a kid and always thinking, man, Cacoletta and Fawful should really be a pair of characters in this game. That makes a lot of sense, and it, uh, it's, it's too bad that didn't happen. But regardless, every Mario RPG has a couple has those things in common: the uh, the platforming with timed combat hits and new wacky settings with a lot of color. And Mario RPG um, exemplifies all those things very well. Uh, I, I think that um, the characters of Mallow and Gino have stayed pretty memorable, even though they have never reappeared. Uh, I, th- I think Gino shows up as like a Smash Brothers trophy or something, and mm-hmm. uh, and he's in a mini game in one of the Mario in one of the Mario and Luigi games. I forget which, but it, it's a Superstar Saga. Okay, it is Superstar Saga. All right, I, I thought it, I was I didn't know if it was that or Partners in Time, but the, um, I think it's in one of Square's best games of that era. I don't. I would put it maybe below Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger, but not really above much else. It's uh. And and it was really popular when it came out. I, re- I remember it. Um, my friends being more, uh, as excited, if not more excited, for that game than basically anything besides Chrono Trigger FF6. Um, John, I, I I ringingly endorse this game. I, I really want. I right. if you have a chance to, um, you know, spend eight bones on the Wii U or maybe it's ten bucks <laughs> for a Square Enix te- sure. tax. I think it's worth it. And it's not even that long a game, is it? I, Peter, isn't it around, like, the 25-hour mark, maybe? Yeah, it's not that long. Like, there's some optional stuff to do, but it's not, like, anything exorbitant. There's, um... The, uh, Super Mario RPG has a couple... One of the cool... Probably one of the coolest, um... Unlockable bonuses you can get with, uh, Q-Lex. Yes, the, the, uh... The super... The super boss, Q-Lex, that you can unlock around the three-quarters mark is a very memorable, cool boss fight. That That's recommended. All right. I'll make sure... It's uh, like I say, it's something I've been meaning to play for a long time, and I, I just sort of never have gotten around to it. I got to fix that. And plus, and plus I have if you have easy access to it. Yeah, if you have Wii U's virtual console, I think it's like six or seven bucks. It's really okay. It, oh, wow. It's it's it, 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 it's really uh, really cheap, and, and the nice thing about um the Wii the Wii U is while um if you're buying digital Wii U games, they're going to take up a crap ton of your limited thirty-two gigabyte hard drive. Uh, the mm-hmm. virtual console games are like ten, twenty megabytes, so oh, you yeah. can have a lot. Right? Of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's shocking to me to know like just how much people used to accomplish with so small, uh, you know, so little memory. It's really it's really quite impressive. Yeah, I I, 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 do- I downloaded some Game Boy games onto my 3DS. Uh, a few months ago, when um, Capcom was having a sale, and I was amazed uh-huh. that they they were something like. Like four megs or less. It, oh, yeah. they, they were. They were oh nothing. man, I think I think one of them was yeah, under I, a meg. I got I got a Pokemon Yellow and Link's Awakening, and they were like four megs each. Meanwhile, Bravely Seconds took up my entire SD card, and I had to delete it after a while. Like 
it was yikes yeah such a such yeah. a, a weird shakeup but um <laughs> well, one thing i wanted to mention before we move on to other mario rpgs though is um you mentioned mike the uh mario's timed jumping um mm-hmm. hits have become kind of a series staple um but i remember uh reading some reading somewhere that uh when they were first coming up with the concept of a Mario RPG, uh, that wasn't always the case. They'd actually um, tested out a version where it was a more straightforward, like Final Fantasy type thing, where Mario had a sword. And um, that would have been a little yeah. weird. Yeah, and yeah. that's the thing is that they is that Miyamoto was like, I don't know about this. And then they actually um, demoed both versions of the game, and the one where Mario had his. Um, Classic of his classic abilities, his jumping and his hammer were um, was received more favorably. So that's what they went with, and we ended up with something really unique. It's one yeah. of those cool little game development success stories. I like I like to hear. Yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. I mean, Mario was uh, punching, jumping, throwing fireballs, and kicking shells and wielding hammers, and that's that's about it. <laughs> but they they really do um, do very well by the timed hit system in this game. You you press. You press buttons for every single, uh, basically every spell. Spell is a mini game where you're trying to ratchet up as much damage as possible. Your regular strikes can be uh, deal, I think, fifty percent damage, more damage, or double damage if you time them just right. And you can uh, receive half damage or zero damage from enemy attacks if you press the defend button right when they hit you. It's um, it, it's a really versatile system that's been in basically every game in the series. I could be wrong because I haven't played all of the uh, most recent Paper Mario games. Uh, but it's it's versatile and it works, and um, Mario RPG has not aged that gracefully visually. It has these sort of uh, the ugly um, like SNES 3D polygons that look kind of clay sort of clay-like, like a uh, like a Donkey Kong Country game or something that that they haven't aged great on a modern television, but almost everything else about the game is excellent. Just play it on the gamepad. Problem solved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Play it on a tube TV and the Wii U game and the Wii U gamepad or the uh, or the Wii Classic controller. That's the way to go. So a couple of years after Mario RPG uh, had a very positive impact, we have Mario Story, which was renamed Paper Mario in the in uh, in the United States and Europe, and that game had a totally different look from Mario RPG that has aged significantly better, I think, where everything is appears to be papercraft on backgrounds where every 3D element looks like a standing paper structure, kind of like a diorama. All, I think that the first two Paper Mario games are awesome, awesome RPGs. I never owned an N64 as a kid, so or, or as an adult, I guess. So I played it years later on the Wii Virtual Console in probably like 2009 or 2010, and it it felt like a good RPG then. It aged extremely well. And I mentioned before, I love Thousand Year Door. I think that's one of the best GameCube games, full stop, and probably the best GameCube RPG. With apologies to Tales of Symphonia, by Tenkato, and Skies of Arcadia Legends. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, Thousand Year Door is, I mean, of all the games I've played, it's it's definitely you know like in my top five of everything. Um, I praise the. Uh, yeah, I just like uh, that's. I think the first one that I reviewed for the site, and. I was shocked to find that when it came out, like it didn't get reviewed. I reviewed it about five years after it came out. Oh wow! And even at that point, it held up. I know, right? How did that one get missed? 
but it it held up so well, and um, you know all the sort of the different pieces of the battle system, the the like you say, sort of the mini game of the attacks, mm-hmm. um, trying to get when you when you do a jump attack, trying to get all the bounces exactly right, so you get that stylish, you know, extra. Everything about it is just so, just so excellent. Right. I I played Thousand Year Door before playing the first Paper Mario, and um, as did I. Yeah, and uh, maybe the the most striking difference between them because they 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 look, you know, similar. Paper Mario was very late in the N64's lifespan, and uh, Thousand Year Door was around the middle of the GameCube's lifespan. So like uh, Thousand Year Door looks better, but they you could say definitely they share an aesthetic. But the biggest difference between them is that um okay two biggest differences are first the uh. Paper Mario doesn't do a ton with the pa- with the word paper, other than the visual. Like, but in uh, because it's I mean sure everything looks like paper, but they don't you know they aren't folding themselves into paper airplanes or anything. While uh, Thousand Year Door, on the other hand, has Mario becoming a paper plane and a paper boat and uh, page and sort of more pages turning and paper being crumpled up and reopened. It, it uses the paper gimmick a little bit more brazenly. And second, uh, which you alluded to, John, is the um, the style implementation in Thousand Year Door because they, they frame every fight as being on a stage with an active participating audience that can throw you items or attack you as it's happening, and by pressing different buttons during moves, not not always not just the timed hit buttons, but like special style flare buttons, allow the audience to grow and become more on your side as it happens. And that hasn't been done in any subsequent Mario RPG either, it, and it's really, really cool. I don't, I don't want to sell this one too short. It's a, uh, but like interacting with the audience and like and like winking at the audience and trying to get them on your side is a very, very cute gimmick that is persistent through the whole game and has twists and turns. Like certain bosses will have the uh, and the audience filled with filled with enemies. Um, like uh, boss battles will scare audience members away. It's there's a lot of weird tricks that happen with the audience uh, gameplay in Thousand Year Door, and it feels like a more expanded, um, more full-featured Paper Mario game than its predecessor, and has some really really great story beats in it. Um, uh, Peter, you've played this game too, right? Thousand Year Door, I yeah. actually haven't. Oh this has man, been on my pilot. Oh, it's, it was it's great. Yeah, it was, I'm, I this is one I've been waiting I've been waiting for a re-release of Thousand Year Door for a while because I really want to play it. Um, it's something I'm hoping that they'll eventually implement with the Switch. Um, I, I would buy a remake of this game. Like, I, it, I, I only played it. I only Me played too. it once. I only played it once. Uh, probably a couple years after it came out. I, I'm yeah. I was in college when it came out, so probably just a, a year or two after it came out. But uh, and and the story hits some surprisingly poignant notes, especially with mm-hmm. um with a uh, Luigi's side plot, which is sort of hilarious and tragic and the uh and the computer that princess peach uh interacts with when she's locked up in the in a prison has mm-hmm. a, a surprising character arc for only being just a computer that the princess talks to in between mario's quest segments there's a lot going on in thousand year door and i i think it's yeah I, one of the best gamecube games that game's excellent I, I want to say something about a story thing, but I just to go back to the the style thing. One thing that I really love about it, and something that I, a reason that I think I I miss that being in all the subsequent games, is 
when you, you know, like when you play a game and you do something cool, you you're like, oh sweet, did anybody see? No, nobody's in the room to see me do that sweet thing that I just pulled <laughs> off. But in this game, I mean, yeah, it's just the game still appreciating that sweet thing you just pulled off. But there is something to that still of like somebody noticed that I did something really cool. Um, yeah, yeah, the, but, the sound effects of the audience cheering for you is uh, is weirdly encouraging and, and fits in yeah. with everything that the game's putting forward. Yeah, but uh, it, with the with the story, there's a, another thing, and I, I may get some of the details a little wrong on this because I haven't looked it up in a, in a while, but um, in the game, there's a, a trio of, of sister witches. Right. And uh-huh. there's a, there's an element to that in the Japanese version of the game that they took out for the U.S. version, I think they thought we were not going to be okay with it, where um, one of the quote-unquote sisters actually turns out to be at least like a, a, a cross-dressing man, like a transgendered brother. In, oh, I don't is, know. Is, like, is you know, probably the middle sister, I'm guessing? Um, the one who everybody... The one who is like your friend in the end. I hate to spoil that. But oh, 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 okay, okay, game. yeah. Uh, oh, so so it's Vivian. All right. Um, yes, Vivian. Oh, that's that's odd, uh, huh? Yeah. And, and yeah. I, I get they probably well, and also she kisses Mario. So I'm I'm, I'm wondering if they're if if uh, Nintendo is a little concerned about that imagery, or or right. that uh, that language being put in. <laughs> that, that's I I hadn't heard that before. But I, I guess it makes sense because they they don't play up her femininity femininity wow words uh uh-huh. yeah it's a a surprising it's like you know they, there's been a couple of things like that in the um uh in in the Mario history right a couple of characters like that who turn out to be also well trans, I mean, the, the yeah the ultimate didn't... one of those is uh is Birdo who's called who's um mm-hmm. who's called Catherine in Japan. And uh, in and the manual for Mario Two or some uh, literature surrounding, you know, the Doki Doki Panic Mario version, whatever you want to call it, is that uh, like is Catherine a boy or a girl? It's a secret, teehee, or some, something like that. Where it's they've right. had uh, they've had vague um, talk regarding Birdo slash Catherine about uh, possibly being trans, but they've decided to avoid any mention of that in official English uh, Mario documents. Yeah, in official English documents, Birdo is more related to Yoshi as like a right. female bright counterpart, which is, I mean, it's fine, but it's definitely a and there's a, there's also a difference. there's also one a uh, one Street Fighter slash Final Fight character who's similar to that Poison, yeah, right? But uh, right. So yeah, the, um, Nintendo isn't maybe the most, uh, or Nintendo of America at least isn't the most trans friendly uh, producer, or at least they weren't in the early two thousands. <laughs> I think but, the issue is. is... <laughs> Basically, just they have to worry about ratings, right. and if a question like that comes up in the game, no matter how you treat it, it automatically makes it a more mature game because you're thinking about a, you know, an important mature topic. So if they cut that out, then they can rate it E for everyone, and you know everything's cool. Or yeah. But anyway, man, we've only talked about the first two Paper Mario games. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we're going to pivot a little bit over to a different series. The Mario and Luigi games, which have been exclusively on handheld, starting with Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga uh, for the Game Boy Advance, have been 
um, are five really solid RPG platformers that uh, we've mentioned that Peter and uh, Peter has a lot of affection for the uh, uh, for at least the first couple and uses the um, character Fawful in his uh, as an avatar for several different uh, um, in several different places, including RPG Fan. So Peter, let's talk a little bit on why Superstar Saga is so great. Yeah, where to where to be, where to begin on that one? Um, I think for, for for me, just to give a little uh, personal background on Superstar Superstar Saga, um, is I play I was a gift a gift from a friend of mine. Um, back when I was really into uh, Mario in general, we uh, we both we were both like in we both played um Mario Sunshine and Luigi's Mansion. It both come out around that time. We were playing we played um, a lot of those together. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, it was a different kind of uh, Mar- Mario story where it's a little like, like I said, I hadn't played any of the RPGs up until that point. But um, in terms of Superstar Saga, I think it sets a precedent going forward for um, where it continues off of what Super Mario RPG and Paper Mario did with um, uh, the timed button presses in combat, but the addition of Luigi and their ability to kind of combine their actions together to form Bros attacks. Um, is something that they've continued on in later games. I think that's one of their main gimmicks. And also just the way you explore the world is a little different. Um, there's more, um, you get a build, it's like, it's almost like um, a Zelda or a Metroid type situation, only instead of getting new items, you're getting new ways to maneuver about the area. So you'll get Mario's spin jump, you'll get Luigi's high jump, you'll get like, you'll get hammers to break open rocks and you'll upgrade those hammers to, to break um, progressively more stronger stuff. You'll eventually be able to use Mario's fireballs to light torches. It lends itself to a bit more of um, a puzzle adventure aspect in a lot of area in a lot of areas. Um, at least as far as the first game goes, it's def it's definitely a a prevailing factor. They also really double down on the humor. Um, you're you're uh, absolutely right. Um, very the, funny game. <laughs> it, it it is. I mean, well. Honestly, um, I think sort of an anarchic sense of humor pervades most of the Mario RPGs. For, for some yeah, reason, for they're sure. they're really able to get more yucks in those games than in a traditional Mario platformer or in 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 most other traditional JRPGs. But there's some goof, some real goofiness, and some real funny stuff happening in almost all of the Mario RPGs. But how, how many games can you say where you fought a giant sentient barrel of soda pop? <laughs> Not many. Right. I did get to control a sentient vending machine in a pretty good indie RPG I played a while ago. You could pay money to use items more than once and stuff. It was, it was, it was pretty great. Um, but, but you're absolutely right about the non-linear, slightly metrovania aspects to Superstar Saga. It's, um, you, you're, you're getting new jumping abilities, new hammer abilities, and new hand abilities. Hand being the Mario's fireballs and, Lu- and Luigi's thunderballs. Um, like you're, you're getting new abilities of those throughout the game, right until the last quarter of the game or so. And, um, and, and by the end, you have something like maybe eight or nine different uh, movement or environment abilities to navigate mm-hmm. the last dungeon, and it's it, it's done really smoothly. And, and, and it plays and, with those in really interesting ways. Like, there's almost always like some sort of jumping-related challenge. Almost, not, like almost like like it 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 it, it almost takes more from Mario's uh, platforming mm-hmm. uh, lineage. Like, yeah, yeah, the yeah. The dungeons have a lot of tricks and a lot of platforming uh, 
things surrounding them uh, more more than the later Mario and Luigi games. The later Mario and Luigi games still keep the ha- the jump and hammer and hand techniques, but they feel more like just stuff to get through dungeons than than really than sort of than a real tricky platforming thing, I would say. And and, and in general they uh they also don't have the as much of an open world uh you know, get further by unlocking new abilities. At least they don't have as much of a unified open world as Superstar Saga does. Even though I've liked several of the Mario and Luigi games, I think Superstar Saga is probably the best one. And somehow they have all of these abilities and all of these these this like this elegant skill setup for Mario and Luigi with only four buttons. <laughs> because the yeah, Boy... no, you control you control Mario with the A button, control Luigi with the B button, and then you use the shoulder buttons to switch between your abilities. Like. <laughs> Yeah, really elegant for working with um, the limited like button button mapping on the um, the Game Boy Advance. And that's the only it, Mario it RPG that's on, that's on a four button system. So they uh, and they cranked out one of the best ones doing so. It's really it's a really impressive game. And like every Mario RPG, other than Super Mario RPG for the SNES, I've only played it once and would love to revisit it sometime, but haven't had the right opportunity yet. Well. I, I'm my my uh my vote for a future retro encounter is always always open on this one because I have been looking <laughs> for an excuse to revisit it. But, um, I don't know. We we could schedule it for the summer and I could play it on the plane home from E3 or something. That might work. Always an always an idea. Yeah. John, have you played Mario? Uh, the have you played the first Mario and Luigi game? Yeah, yeah. I played Superstar Saga. I remember going back to um, hunt down beans. Right. After I, right, I finally like was able to do that, like get the beans and go like wherever I wanted to. Like, all right, let's go around the world one more time. Yeah, you're find well, some more beans. You are not kidding at all because, um, first of all, that game takes place in the Bean Bean Kingdom, which we mentioned earlier. So there's bean-like people uh, that you that you interact with, and four different kinds of beans to collect in huge amounts. Whether they're buried underground or rewards for one of the at least five or six mini games in Superstar Saga. Superstar Saga is loaded with mini games, and you can craft all of those beans into different coffees, which give you different prizes and and uh, different abilities. So it's yeah, the whole bean collection is a pretty interesting subsystem in this game. I, I love that Professor Professor Egad um, comes back <laughs> basically just to be a, bar- a barista. <laughs> yeah, and I I heard that like an early version of the game or was um you making coffee for specific customers and the customers would be like characters from other Nintendo games. That mm-hmm. that's why one of the one of the rewards he gives you is sort of Metroidish, and, and another one is uh is from the uh is like from the Mario uh from the Luigi's Mansion Mario Ghost House kind of thing. But they ended up abandoning that and just had him being a, a coffee-obsessed inventor. <laughs> yeah, I think that there's actually data for that still in the game's files, I think. Right. I read that. Oh, yeah, another thing I read somewhere. It's like you can find, like, Samus and Link. <laughs> Samus and Link also have very small cameos in uh, the Super Nintendo Mario RPG, but they, you just find them in an inn sleeping. It's not nothing serious. Nothing like the, uh, the, the Kulex musical cameo in that game. <laughs> But, <laughs> yeah, but um, one thing that really uh, stands out about uh, Superstar Saga, which Peter already brought up, was the elegance of having Mario uh, 
always controlled by the A button and Luigi always controlled by the B button. And they take that to a another level in the second game, Partners in Time, which is a, a time travel theme game, shocker, being called Partners in Time, where you also where you also control baby Mario and baby Luigi in addition to Mario and Luigi. And uh, when you have all four controlled at once, which is not not the whole game, but for a significant portion of it, with the babies carrying hammers and the and the adult brothers doing jumping moves, you have Mario with A, Luigi with B, Baby Mario with X, and uh, Baby Luigi with Y. I think. Am I or or, or are those? Do I have those that, switched? That sounds- Okay. That sounds right, but I'll be I, I, honest, the chaos of all four was enough that I was like, nope, I'm skipping this one. Yeah, it, it gets super yeah, weird I, in that I game. I skipped Partners in Time as well. I've, yeah. I, I didn't skip the game. I, 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 did, I did finish it, but it, it gets a little hairy with all, the, with all the different controls that you can do and, and uh, having all four buttons interacting during bros attacks where you have to pl- press certain ones at certain times. It can get a little challenging getting like a um, getting max damage on a bros attack and uh it has some really memorable moments like uh, the best boss battle in the game is right around the midpoint where it's the four brothers versus bowser with baby bowser on his shoulders and them and them doing their own version of bros attacks against you which is uh yeah. which is pretty excellent and um and fawful shows up as like a uh who fawful is the uh um a sub-boss and villain from uh, Superstar Saga. He shows up as a vendor, I think, who who sells you special items in the game. But it, mm-hmm. but um, Partners in Time is a weirdly dark game. There, there's an alien invasion at the beginning where they, I believe, they turn an entire village of toads into stone, and uh, and and there's some like maybe some eye-opening uh, visual moments in that game that I that you don't really see in other Mario stuff. But I agree that. Uh, because of the chaos of ha- of controlling the babies and the brothers at the same time, and also maybe not having as great a world or as great characters as the first one, I, I think it's one of the... It's significantly weaker than Superstar Saga. But not bad. Sure. Bar was set pretty high there. Yes. And I, th- I think they... Uh, the, fa- the next game, Bowser's Inside Story, was significantly better than, than uh, Partners in Time. Did you guys play Inside that one? Inside Story is... Yeah, that one's a great game. It's a that's a lot of fun. Yeah, it man that <laughs> there's a some um the two brothers are collaborating with Bowser in this game, um, and a, a lot of it takes place inside Bowser where the brothers have to you know um, mess around with it in his brain and with his cells to uh, uh to fight the the uh, the external threat of the game, which is which in part which is which Fawful is involved in. Uh, without avoiding uh, while avoiding spoilers, but um, that game goes some really crazy places. There's like giant kaiju battles with Mario in Lu- and Luigi inside Bowser controlling a giant Bowser against a giant enemy, and a lot of real strange humor in that game with uh, all the nonsense going on inside Bowser. But it's it, that one's a lot of fun. I think it's about as good as Superstar Saga, but with maybe but maybe not as. Um, to go back to this word again, not as elegant in its systems or in its setup, but of just a really, really good RPG with good humor and some fun gimmicks. Yeah, I I need to finish Bowser's Inside Story at some point. I don't own it. I don't own it anymore, unfortunately. I kind of culled part of my collection because I needed some cash quick. But um, and and I was and and I'm at the point where I'm like, I kind of want to play it again. And I'm like, well, shoot, now I have to find another copy. But yeah. it's 
No, it's, it's it's worth it. It it really does. You know, it, it does live up to that billing. I think it's it's one of the better games in the series. So. Yeah, and, like, and even when I played it, I, not that I thought it was bad. I I had I had the same reaction to playing the next game, Dream Team, um, where I really liked the visual style and I really liked some of the gameplay ideas. But for some reason, I just after about ten or so hours, I was just like not really feeling it anymore. And that's just that's both unfortunate because I really do kind of want to uh, get back into. Uh, a lot of Nintendo properties. Dream Team is another one that I fell off. I didn't... Um, like you, Peter, I got pretty far in it, but eventually just just got fatigue and uh, um, didn't feel very motivated to continue. But some of the ideas in that game are awesome because uh, some of the world... Uh, some of the game takes place inside Luigi's dreams because there's evil beings that can travel between dreams and Luigi is unusually talented at sleeping. <laughs> so, yeah. so uh, he uh, he has the talent of being able to fall asleep immediately after lying down, and Mario can jump inside Luigi's dreams and control dream versions of Luigi that have, you know, him wielding a giant hammer made of Luigi's, him just having a just kicking and uh, just a barrage of Luigi of rolling Luigi's at enemies. It's the bros attacks. You say. Yeah, I yeah. think this is the one with Katamari Luigi. <laughs> yes, it is. The, the, the Dream Brothers attacks in that game involving uh, m- uh, m- hundreds of Luigis or giant Luigis are hysterical and really, really fun. But other than that, it feels like a, one of the less inspired Mario and Luigi games. It um, Its story is so forgettable that I don't remember anything except for the sleeping and Luigi stuff. And, I, and like Peter, I played it for probably about ten hours. It, it I don't know. It's just after a while, I just got a little bored wandering around the world when it's when I wasn't con- consistently in battle using dr- the Dream Brothers stuff, and uh, mm-hmm. and yeah. So that's I I never got very far in that one. It, it's one of those where I, I want to give it another chance. I love the visual style. It looks so good. And yeah, I, it's, I, I it's not a go ahead Mark. go ahead John. I would say it's not a bad game. I did finish it. It's one that I reviewed for the site, so of course I finished it. Um, and and I I called out the plot as being a a weak element of it. So you're you're yeah. My my score on that front is the same as yours. Um, but it's not you know it's not bad. It's just you know not the best of them. No, yeah, you're right. It's not bad. And um, to be fair, um. I have it digitally on my 3DS because my 3DS came with the copy. I have a I have a I have a year of Luigi uh, 3DS that came with that um, built into it. So I uh, I don't have a car- that one on cartridge. I, I have a gold uh, 3DS with a silver Luigi emblazoned on it. <laughs> but it's a uh, it, it's a fun game and does some things really well, but um, ultimately doesn't feel as good as the some of the earlier ones, and I was unable to finish it. And uh, so the same feeling happened to me, regrettably, on Paper Jam. I bought that game right when it came out, but only played it uh, for about four or five hours. And while the paper gimmick stuff was really fun and a really crazy idea that mostly works, I, I just couldn't get into that game. It, um, it felt a little like all the others, and uh, I... And, and the story never grabbed me at all. Yeah, that's another one that that I reviewed, and the the what what kills me about it is that some of the things that they do with so in, in that game, for anybody who hasn't played it, Paper Mario and the whole Paper Mario cast are brought into the Mario and Luigi world, 
and they work together. Well, the the Mario's and the Mario's and Luigi. There's only one Luigi still. They work together. The Bowser's don't want to work together. But the stuff, some of the stuff that they did with Paper Mario in that game works so well that when they didn't, you do anything with it in the the Paper Mario games that have come after that. It was really disappointing. Um, he has a unique battle mechanic in Paper Jam where um, Paper Mario is like a stack of Paper Marios. And when he gets attacked, rather than like just losing HP directly, he loses Marios from the stack. Right. Oh, I've forgotten about and that. And then you can spend any of Paper Mario's turns to replenish the stack um, with no you know, real limitation. Um, but, uh, and then I, at some point, according to my review, I got a, a, an item that they could equip where every turn he got another Mario back in the stack. And, and also doesn't involving him in bros attacks or certain special attacks also take from the stack? Um, or am I misremembering that? I don't, I, I, I don't remember that, but I, but it's I, been a while. But I remember that was definitely a unique resource management element that really that wasn't like anything else in the series. That that felt good. Again, the the Paper Mario gimmick and the team attacks that you could do were great. But it just it was everything else about the game that didn't that didn't grab me. Yep. No, that's uh that that one is the one that I gave the the worst score up to that point in my reviews, so of of all of your reviews, or of just the paper Mar- of just the Mario reviews? Oh, no, just a, just my Mario reviews. Okay, <laughs> uh, I've reviewed like 120 games for the site, so there's been a few real stinkers in there. <laughs> sure, <laughs> but um, I, I want to talk about one thing that I think pervades all of the Mario and Luigi games, which we can agree are some oft sometimes awesome, mostly at least good RPGs, and that's the characterization of Luigi. Because I think he's the most memorable character in just about all of them, and how they they paint him in a way that he hasn't really been portrayed before in other games as a guy who's a who's a much goofier and much more cowardly than his brother, but uh, but 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 in a way has has some real heart and some real uh, and some real sensitivity underneath the comedy, and and he's he's absolutely hilarious and also sort of heartbreaking in every single uh, in every single game that you play in. And and and, uh, and like in maybe the most memorable plot section of Partners in Time to me was when he has to he has to undergo a trial and um and his sort of his uh his um inferiority complex comes to light in that. But it, it what do you think of Luigi in these games? I think you're like you you called out his his side story in Thousand Year Door. Right, and is... I think I, th- I think that fits in alongside it too. Yeah, such a that, I think that's like a, a high point of sort of like sort of side story and also like a high point for Luigi uh, himself. He, he really gets his, his chance to shine there, even though, even if you see that maybe, you know, this, uh, this didn't, it's not all panning out exactly the way that you might want it to, if he were the hero of the game you were playing. Um, And then in, in uh, uh, dream team, they don't. They're not a hundred percent consistent with it, but they do something cool in that game with 
he gets that like, oh, I'm a scaredy cat in the in the regular world, but in his dreams, he's big and tough and not scared of anything. Right. Oh, and then he's and uh, they they even draw attention to how handsome his mustache is. Yes. <laughs> and and then how Dream Luigi is nothing like the real Luigi. <laughs> That um, came out during the year of Luigi. So. Right, yeah. Which was, which was great. That was such a great promotion. They had a lot of fun with that promotion, and I, I have some amount of pride in my year in Luigi, year of Luigi 3DS, which has uh, done very well by me. <laughs> the, I will say, I, I felt like that was one thing that I, that I didn't like in Paper Jam, is in that game, they took it like too far. Like, you know, he, he's always with you and he's always, you know, fighting in these battles and, you know, he's clearly demonstrating that he's a capable, brave person. But like at every chance they talk about like what a huge loser Luigi is. <laughs> like they, they went from like, like poking fun and like everybody's having a good time to like, oh, now we, we, we went too far and feelings are actually being hurt so we're just straight up abusing the poor guy yeah yeah so hopefully you know in in future games they can take it back to that place where it was still cute and funny and everybody was in on the joke (laughs) and i think i think because you're they they really have done some good stuff with it yeah i think that builds on something that i always like my problem with the recent Mario and Luigi games, um, honestly, took has been um, there's the I the, they and this is an obstacle that I, I think I, you sort of have to surmount with a lot of Mario related media is that it's sort of the same joke. Um, the the you know because the joke is like okay so Luigi's the coward Luigi's the cowardly one and Mario's the famous one and. It, ain't it, it isn't it funny that we have these guys in an RPG hijinks ensue and that and that's funny, but it's only like a new joke once in the first one, <laughs> yeah. the first one you play. Yeah, they, and I think that, they actually that's this being a five game series. They actually play with that a little bit in in Paper Jam in a good way, where um, the peaches hang out together paper peach and regular peach and they comment on that like boy it seems like this stuff happens a lot and (laughs) yeah so the peaches are very sort of self-aware in that game in a in a a way that i enjoyed because they they were in on the fact that this is this little same storyline is getting a little old and i can't remember which one it is there's there's one is it i think it's dream team where somebody else kidnaps, or maybe it's Bowser's inside story, where somebody else kidnaps Peach and Bowser gets mad because that's his shtick. That, I think that's it's Bowser's like that. inside story, isn't it? Like, I gotta kidnap her back because I'm the one who kidnaps Peach. Yeah. <laughs> Not some other random <laughs> well, uh, guy. Well, technically, that also happens in the very first Super Mario RPG, which I know you haven't played. <laughs> but... Oh. Um, Yes, someone else kidnaps Peach. Well, okay, first Bowser kidnaps Peach, then someone kicks Bowser out of his castle, and then Peach ends up kidnapped by another party. And the the entire the ending team in Super Mario RPG is is Mario, the new characters Mallow, G- Mallow and Gino, plus Bowser and Peach, 
are like the five in that game, and it's it's super entertaining throughout. But, um, uh, I mean, I I really like Luigi's characterization in most of the Mario RPGs. I agree that they've been crapping on him a little unnecessarily in the later ones, but ultimately, I think it makes him as a lovable character. And I, I I I like the Mario RPG version of Luigi a lot, but I, I guess we touched on it just now. The uh, the other fun characterization that I like in the Mario RPGs is Bowser, because they, they they make him into this sort of uh, uh, this sort of greedy, um, uh, eg- egomaniacal guy prone to throwing tantrums, but sometimes will help aid Mario and Luigi. But always with a funny alter- ulterior motive, in a way. It- it's like he's always in it for himself, but and, and he's always this uh, this loud whack job. But sometimes, but sometimes he will he will aid the brothers, and I think he's entertaining in in basically any of the Mario RPGs that he has a starring role in. He's, I think, at, at this point, uh, including Bowser, they've been a team for a long time. And so, yeah, they, they they have to they have to sort of play with that and and make him a little fun and and lovable, even though you never know from game to game or even from point to point within the game is he going to be on your side or is he going to you know turn against you or what's the deal? And so let's um, I, I agree, and let's uh run it back a little bit to a game we haven't talked about it yet. And that's a uh, Super Paper Mario for the Wii. We're back in the Paper Mario zone now, and in yeah. that game, it's maybe the least RPG of any of these games. I I never finished it. I got to about the halfway point. But you can control Mario, Peach, Bowser, and Luigi, and each of them have different field moves and jumping techniques, which is uh pretty cool, pretty entertaining for the most part. But and, and that and, one, but but it's 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 the least RPG of all of them. It's it's a, basically a straight platformer. With some puzzle and RPG elements, uh, where you can, yeah, but, but you can switch between the four characters. There's a lot of clever stuff in it, and they use the paper aesthetic pretty well. You can change perspectives from, uh, from sort of vertical to horizontal, or, or you know, traditional to, to lateral. And uh, th- there's a lot of clever things in that game, but it's, I, I struggle to even uh, identify it as an RPG or not. Oh yeah, it's it's definitely a, a game that. If it weren't part of, you know, such a, you know, strongly, uh, such a good series that everybody on the site knows and loves, we wouldn't have covered it. Because it that one even eliminates, like, the turn-based fighting that the other games have. And right. I think, I think, fortunately, Nintendo saw that people did not care for that uh, in their Paper Mario games and have kind of turned it back around to, to turn-based again. Although to uh, uh, mixed results, uh, Sticker Star yes. and Color Splash seem to be the the new black sheep of that franchise. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah you're, I, you're, referring to sti- you you're referring to Sticker Star, right? Yeah. Well, yeah col- I... Color Splash as well. Yeah, for some I reason, the, uh, the Paper Mario series has had difficulty finding its footing. Um at least recently, uh, and I remember John, you t- you told us a little bit outside of a review, outside of a review, how you had mixed feelings about that game as you were playing it. The col- yeah, color, uh, color splash, that is. Color splash, yeah. So Sticker Star, I was one of the few people who sort of, I don't want to 
quite call it. Stu- well, maybe I should call it. I'm one of the few people who sort of stood up for Sticker Star at the time that it came out. It's, you know, I still feel like this is a, a really enjoyable game. It's I remember. Not- um, I remember before I joined uh, staff at RPG Fan, I listened to you speak on a random encounter episode about how yeah. much you like Sticker Star in spite of its reputation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, even though it's it's not Thousand Year Door, it doesn't play quite the same way. I felt like I still had a lot of fun with it. Um, the the sticker collecting mechanic I didn't feel was too onerous. Um, but I definitely recognize that um, I'm in the minority in that opinion. Uh, most people really, really hated that sticker collecting mechanic. Um, and that's what baffles me when it get came to uh, Color Splash because... They just took it and ramped it up another level rather than saying, oh, nobody liked that. Let's do away with it. Yeah, in in that game, you have to keep your paint supply up. And also, also, like, you... um, like stickers are not are a are a finite resource, and it, and every action in the game is represented by a sticker that you can paint or or play black and white. Am I am I remembering that correctly? Right, right. So in Sticker Star, you picked up the stickers and you used like any any time you used an attack, it used up the sticker. In Color Splash, you pick up cards. And cards, could, not stickers. My bad. Yeah, they're they're often uh, in just outlines, and you have to paint them in in order to do, you know, a significant amount of damage. If you, you can use them unpainted, but they don't really do much. Um, so yeah, now you're maintaining a, a stack of cards and you're maintaining a stack of your three different colors. If I remember right of paint, uh, red, yellow, and blue. Um, and then in sticker star, you had like an album of stickers that that's what sort of governed how many stickers you could have in your inventory at any one time. And as the game progressed, you got more pages for your album so that, you know, later on in the game, you had room for lots of great stickers all at the same time. You just had to go back and pick up the ones that you wanted. In um, Color Splash, you have space for, I think it's 99 cards. You have a limited amount of space for cards, and they're stored just in one big line that you have to scroll through to find the, uh, the one that you want rather than just saying, oh, I have six pages in my, in my sticker book. I'll flip to page three and pull out the sticker I want. So, mm, so that, And that gets really cumbersome battle to battle, having to do that for every single action, right? Oh, I, absolutely. Yeah, I haven't played. I haven't. I haven't played the game, but I did. Yeah, I haven't played the game, but I did read multiple reviews, and a, and the only reason I haven't played is because I don't own a Wii U. But uh, it, it seems that even if there were things to like about Sticker Star and Color Splash, they ultimately uh, the fans didn't embrace these new resource mechanics, and and found a lot of it. Uh, difficult or cumbersome or at or maybe at worst uh not enough like the older paper mario games because i don't know a single person who doesn't have it who okay if you've played the paper mario games your favorite is either the first one or the second one like those are the two that are that are really well regarded so i'm a little surprised that they keep trying to force these gimmicks into paper mario that have not been successful instead of 
trying to have to build around the gameplay base of the old ones and then having the gimmicks just be something on top of that instead of instead of the cumbersome card and sticker mechanics. Um, and their 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 response to that was really kind of lame too, where it was like, "Well, we already have an RPG series for Mario. It's called Mario and Luigi, and it's like, it just raise his hand. Paper Mario was first. We can have both. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and you know, I think the great the the great thing that those earlier Paper Mario games had that you know, aside from the resource thing, is the companions. Right. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah, switching sure. to yeah, switching the, the, between uh, different companions in battle to you know do the right kind of damage. I we, mean, only re- we only really we only really mentioned uh, we only really mentioned Vivian from uh, from Thousand Year Door, but both but both Paper Mario and Thousand Year Door, at, f- at least five or six different companions join you in each of those games and switching between and Mario is always the first character, but switching between your partners and using their unique abilities both uh, on the environment and in battle were a a, a, a key part of the fun of the gameplay of those games, and uh, like my my all time favorite is uh, is probably the baby Yoshi that joins you around the midpoint of Thousand Year Door, who you get to name yourself, and depending on depending on like when his egg egg hatches, he's a different color, but um, he can do a bunch of uh, of like um, of like egg shooting and uh, and sort of stomping attacks that are really entertaining, and and those and the casts of those games are diverse and fun. So it it seems a little weird to just stick to only Mario and the and the core cast as could as uh, playable characters in the later ones. I agree. It's it's one of those series that you know. There's a few series like that out there in the gaming world where you look at like the really really great stuff that came early on and it makes you really sad to think of what has come later even though you know a number of things that have come later aren't actually terrible sure (laughs) the bar was just set so high and they've fallen so far from it that even an okay game just feels so much less than what it could be it's a waste of potential for sure it's kind of how I am with uh, *Parasite Eve*. Oh right, yeah. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't think either of the sequels quite lived up to the promise of the original *Parasite Eve*. No, for sure. Um, so man, we've talked about just about all of these uh, Mario RPGs, but there's a uh, there's one other thing I want to talk about a little bit, and this is maybe unsurprising coming from me, a former RPG fan, music staff, but the the music of these games of the Mario RPGs are often really, really excellent. And it shouldn't be that surprising if you look at uh, the talent involved here. Because um, RPG fan favorite Yoko Shimomura was the uh, composer for the original Super Nintendo Mario RPG and all five of the Mario and Luigi games. And uh, and all of those soundtracks are just killer, especially certain boss fights. I, I, like, I was a little amazed at how good the... Uh, at how good the dream the I think it was the, the I think it was I think it's the Dream Team final boss track like when when that album came out uh, me and Stephen Myrink and all those people were like we were sharing it between our shows like man th- does this seem a little bit too epic and badass for a Mario RPG? Oh, I remember that. I think we were talking about Paper Jam. <laughs> it, it was it was Paper Jams. Okay, because I, I, that yeah, was that Dream was Team's good too though. Yeah, yeah. There yeah, there's a lot of good music in that, and, and of course it's uh, it's Yoko Shimomura. And um, the first two Paper Mario games, the composer was Yuka Su- uh, Sujiyoko, who is on the, who was on the uh, 
the music composition team for almost every Fire Emblem game. She's a uh, she is associated with intelligent systems and does the music for a lot of their games. But she's um, composed for something like ten Fire Emblem games plus the first two Paper Mario games, and she did an amazing job with those as well. Yeah, looking back at my like the scores that I've given to the games that I've reviewed, sound is like the highest score in almost all of them. <laughs> awesome. Because they really are that, that, yeah, the music is really great in this series. They're good like, soundtracks with, uh, with, 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 you know, big name talent behind them, perhaps surprisingly. Even, uh, was it, uh, even Color Splash, uh, I, I gave it a 90 on sound. That cool. was like, Absolutely, absolutely the high point of the game. So, yeah, it's it's surprising you wouldn't. You, it, it's not a series that you would come to and think, "Hey, I bet Mario RPGs are going to have great music." So, it's a it's a real testament to uh, to the work that they've done that it does stand out so much For when sure. it's something you wouldn't you wouldn't expect. Right on, I. I mean, I, I I like a lot of Sujioko's and Shimomura's music in general, but there's um, per, perhaps surprisingly some really strong work on these Mario RPG soundtracks. It's it's not it's not the music is not always the first thing you think of when uh, when you think of a Mario game or a Mario RPG. But uh, but but I mean, I think that the work speaks for itself. A lot of it's really really good, and John even recognized that in his in the reviews that he wrote for five of these uh, five of these Mario RPGs. So, um, also, I would say that um, I've used the word gimmick several times uh, over the course of this podcast because a lot of the Mario RPGs will have some gimmick surrounding their uh, surrounding their gameplay, whether it's the stickers in Sticker Star or the painted cards in, in Color Splash or the the two worlds colliding in Paper Jam or the Dream Luigi stuff in Dream Team. And a lot of the times, these gimmicks are they are exactly what they are. They're gimmicks that. Uh, that you know hang over a lot of the gameplay of the game but a lot of the time they're fun and um so starting with you peter if you if you were you know the king of nintendo and could uh and could choose the design direction of the next mario rpg whether it's paper mario mario and luigi or something else like what would be uh sort of your basic ideas about it and if if there was one what kind of gimmick would you put on it Okay, so well, I've been actually been saying this one since Dream Team because I really want to see Alpha Dream uh, branch out a little bit because I like that. I think they're good developers. Um, is the next logical step for the Mario RPGs? Um, I think should be Super Smash RPG. Um, I think working, <laughs> working. They, now that they put in like Link and uh, the Animal Crossing villagers into Mario Kart, like I feel like the sky's sort of the limit. Like, so why not just like do something crazy and put in um, Link and Samus and uh, the Fire Emblem dudes and dudettes. And I, I, must ins- and- I must insist a bros attack involving Donkey Kong and Bowser working in tandem. I must insist. Yeah, like, just, just do all <laughs> of that. Great. And, you can do, and you can you can do whatever you want for the plot. It doesn't really matter. Maybe Master, <laughs> Hand, maybe Master and Crazy Hand are a secret boss or something. I don't know. But I think that would be a perfect... Um, expansion of, of a way they could just start doing new things with this formula all right that, that, that's a pretty dope idea uh john do you have any um do you have any similar theory crafting you could do for a uh for a future mario rpg i, I, 
I don't think I have anything quite that ambitious, but uh, I, I mean, I'd really, I'd really like to see another game like the earlier Paper Mario games, where they have that cast of characters, that that type of battle system with the, you know, the button pressing. Uh, but I would love to see them incorporate some of the good things that have come out of the newer games, like maybe have, uh, you know, somebody in the party be like a stack of people. Uh, like I said, I like that in Paper Jam like to see um the uh there's a, a mechanic in sticker star and uh, pay, uh color splash called things where mario gets like a three a three-dimensional thing like a can of soda or whatever and that's a mechanic that i think has worked pretty well as sort of a consumable item attack so i you know i just really like to see him take the good stuff about the earlier games that they've kind of dropped away from and then add in some of the the good stuff that they have done in the newer games. I mean, we get the best of both worlds. All right. Well, um, okay. Strangely, my idea is sort of similar to both of yours. Like I, I like the idea of a more universe spanning game, like what Peter said. And I also like the idea of, um, of sort of going back to what worked about the older Mario games in what, like what John said, but my angle is more how it's, how I find it very interesting how every Mario RPG is in a new setting with a, uh, with, with new characters and such in each one. So if I were, if I were to control the direction of a Mario RPG, I would have them, I would have them create some threat that threatened, that, uh, affected every single world that's ever happened in the Mario RPGs. And basically, one by one, visit the locations of every uh, of every per, uh, every Mario RPG. So, like, bring back Rogueport from Thousand Year Door, and all of the different towns from uh, from Super Mario RPG and the Bean Bean Kingdom and Superstar Saga, and have the game take place in all of these places. And the characters that join your team are key NPCs or key main characters from each of those games in those worlds. And just sort of having it being a, a big all-star of Mario RPGs uh, fighting a new threat with a, a party consisting of characters from every game in in those series that 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 appeals to me a great deal, because yeah, I, I because I mean I I miss Mallow and Gino from the from the first game and uh, the like the Prince of the Bean Bean Kingdom I still think it was one of the most entertaining <laughs> NPCs in the series, and all of the. All of the colorful characters in uh, Paper Mario and Thousand Year Door. I'd like to see all of these uh, people show up again, and it would take some very big, weird, ambitious Mario RPG for that to happen. I mean, with the Switch, who knows? Maybe they'll actually be able to increase the scale of what they're doing now. Yeah, man. Fans' Nintendo prognostication is at an all-time thirstiest and <laughs> when it comes to switch stuff because the switch has so many uh, has is such a cool idea with so many cool projects already surrounding it that fans imaginations are running wild it's it's really impressive i think uh i think folks are a lot more excited about the you know what the future could hold for nintendo than they have been in in a while oh yeah yes very very a lot of uh enthusiasm surrounding that machine and and well deserved because uh, at least one game we've had for it already is super, super great. <laughs> and you'll, you'll never guess which game I'm, I'm referring to. 
Uh, one, one, two, switch, right? No, no. Actually, it was the it was uh, the Bomberman <laughs> game. I'm I'm a big fan of Bomberman in general. Now, there, there's a character that should be in uh, in Peter's Nintendo All Stars game. Let's yeah, let's, why, why not? Yeah, let, let's have Bomberman and Mega Man and Kirby all together, just stealing people's people's powers and throwing bombs and stuff. Can, can they can they get Solid Snake back? <laughs> <laughs> Man, <laughs> yeah, Solid Snake and Cloud Strife and. Uh, and Mega, hey, and, and Mega Man all working together. I awesome. think we've just created the greatest video game of all time. <laughs> Maybe Mario, we, it's a we should probably Nintendo's cut, Kingdom Hearts. We should probably cut Sonic from the cast, though. I mean, what has that guy done since since 1999? When I, when I mentioned other series that have gone downhill, that's definitely one that was on my mind. <laughs> I, I, I should I should own like. Mario RPG type. He did. Thing. It was called Sonic the Dark Brotherhood for DS, and shockingly, BioWare developed it. But it was uh, it, weird. No, it was it was not great, man. Like, it, and the idea of it wasn't bad. All these Sonic characters working together in a in a big crazy RPG. That on paper that sounds great, but it was not a very good game. Um, if if you want to play a, a Sonic game for DS, uh, Sonic Rush is the answer to that question. And which and Sonic Rush was pretty good, but we don't we don't need to talk about Sonic on a Mario podcast. Goodness gracious, what are we doing? <laughs> so, I that that about does it. I mean, I think we're out of ideas if we started talking about Sonic. So it's time to to you know deliver our closing arguments. We have been Retro Encounter of RPG Fan, and uh, thank you very much, listeners, for listening to us. Next week, we have part one of our two-part Darksiders series of podcasts coming. Peter is hosting those episodes, and I know that that game is very uh, is one that you're a, a very big fan of, so I'm excited to hear you talk about it. I, I wasn't on those episodes. And um, following the month of Darksiders, we will have a month of Dragon Quest V. We have been talking about that off and on for a few months now. We ha- we held the poll for which Dragon Quest game to play, I think in January or February, so it's been a long time coming. And uh, and beyond that, we also have lots of uh, fascinating bonus rounds to fill in between those ep- those episodes. If you want to get in contact with us, the best way to do so is via email. Use retro at rpgfan.com to send us any queries or ideas. And also comment on the uh, on the rpgfan.com message boards. Visit the RPG Fan Facebook page. And uh, rpgfan.com on Twitter is another place to, to just shout at us. And, and it, it, people actually do check these things, so you aren't just shouting down an empty well. Uh, and also, please don't forget to review us on iTunes and your other various podcast listening venues. It's the best way to get our podcast in the ears of more listeners. And uh, let's see, do I have anything else to ask about? Uh, I guess not. Um, Peter, starting with you, what's the best, ways, best way for listeners to get in touch with you? Uh, I mean, you can always reach me um, at I Have Fury on Twitter. Um, I'm I Have Fury on the boards. Um, Peter T at RPGFan.com. Um, I'm pretty available on the interwebs right on and uh and john how about yourself i'm i'm weird i'm still not out on twitter best way uh, if anybody <laughs> wants to get in touch with me is by email to john t at rpgfan.com right there on our about page yeah you and rob steinman are the last holdouts for twitter on on uh, on rpg fan so it's you, you people have to stick to the forums or email if they want to get hold of you or rob um, yep. And well, myself, I do not have that problem. I am at the real monsoon on Twitter. I am monsoon on the forums, and I have a second Twitter where I talk about Japanese superheroes a lot called Evoker for Dogs. So, 
Yes, and uh, man, right when we're done with this, I think I'm going to go back to playing Persona 5 because that is my my one regret about this podcast is that I have I'm not playing Persona 5 at the same time while doing it. Oh, you're not? No, oh. I'm not. I, I, I mean, um, <laughs> I, I I mean, I I thought about I thought about doing my Vita connect my uh, by connecting my Vita to it, but the lag is just too bad. My uh, it while I have Skype running, I can't. So, all right, we all have Persona 5 that we could be playing. So, listeners, thank you, good night, and good luck.